you can absolutely do a clickbait title as long as it pays itself off. I'd like to welcome Thomas Frank to the Productivious Podcast. Tom, thanks for joining me today. Hello. Hey, you know, I said before we started, and I'm going to I'm gonna lay it all out there right now to be completely authentic. I said Thomas Franks because you do so much, there's got to be more than one of you. Oh, yeah. I have many clothes. <laughs> They're all in, like, the back room of the basement. So Actually, you saw my studio tour, right? Yeah. So one thing I didn't show is there's, like, this, uh, there's a door open by the music area, and if you open it, it's just this concrete, like, bunker looking room and my editor was like we should have a scene where i'm just in there at a desk and i'm like oh is it my time to eat <laughs> can i get to eat now <laughs> yeah that's where i keep all the clones uh, yes with like just like uh you know like and you take it like an edison light and just have it like swaying from a string above <laughs> yeah it's like no other light <laughs> you open you open it's like the, the light's so bright what, get back to work uh, <laughs> um oh man uh so we, I am surprised that I've not had you on the podcast up to this point. I don't know what, what's wrong with me. Um, guest. Yeah. I, I looked back and I've been, I was on your podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but we're, that was like years ago. Like we're talking like, Oh yes. Five, six years ago. So, um, can I guess, I wonder if I can guess the, the, uh, episode. I don't think I can guess the episode number, but perhaps I can guess the grouping of 10. Oh, were you I, in the forties? Uh, let me let me check. Let me check because I actually think I have it right. Productivity here. hacks. My friend Mike. Uh, Hardy, I was thirty nine. Thirty nine. So close. So ah. close. Whoa. Um, yeah, I have a weird like yeah a weird memory for the numbers, and I'm not perfect about it, but yep. Oh, that was so. It's been a while, but we've had uh, many interactions over the years. At I mean, and it's and they haven't been necessarily like we we haven't geeked out about productivity as much when we hang out though. We just tend to. Uh, just have casual conversations, eat dinner together. We, you know, and, and, and talk about, you know, mainly what you're, what I'm starting to do more of, but you've been doing for a long time and, 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 you know, getting the idea of the craft of video. And I want to, I want to start there um, and then kind of expand on some of the elements that you, you know, the other things that you're doing, cause you're doing a lot of great stuff, but uh, I, there's a lot of stuff you talk about on the Fizzle Show, so I'm going to link to that because I don't want to necessarily get into the origin stories and stuff. Although that some of that stuff was fascinating, the idea of <laughs> life hacker and all that stuff, because there's a lot of parallels there. But what kind of um, when did you decide that video was what where you were going to be best served, like in terms of delivering the message that you wanted to deliver? Oh, well, was the day I was born. The doctor just shoved a camera into my hands. <laughs> this one will be a filmmaker. <laughs> um, you know, that's actually not that far from the truth. So my YouTube channel has existed since 2006, which I, I believe YouTube started in 2005. So I'm kind of an OG on the platform, but but not in not in the same way of like you know Shane the Shane Dawson's and Jenna Marbles of the world. I just had a a channel when I was a teenager and my brother and I would post very stupid videos of us fighting with ninja swords or uh, attempting to make music because for whatever reason, our church allowed us to come in after school whenever we wanted and just like have free reign of the entire auditorium, you know, just like multi-thousand dollar cord keyboards and like the entire sound system. I was very surprised now that I know what I know about sound systems, I would never let a group of high schoolers mess around with <laughs> Oh man, what were they thinking? But uh, I kind of let my YouTube channel just lie. It was just kind of a goofing around channel for many years. And I like you, and boy, my speaker is like going crazy. Oh, my phone's near my speaker. That's what it is. For I don't know what it is. My speakers get like a static noise with my phones near them. They're, I don't know. They don't like phones. Anyway, so I like you follow a lot of other people, including the Fizzle guys and mm -hmm. Pat Flynn and all those people. And, you know, if you were to look at my progression as a content creator, it, it's definitely like a dog chasing, uh, you know, like taillights. I see something interesting. I'm like, that's cool. That's shiny. I want to do that too. And uh, that was what it was for podcasting. I was very into the Pat Flynn podcast, as, you know, Smart Passive Income. And then with video, um, I, I got into Fizzle. And I was watching the courses and I was actually, I was kind of discouraged on video for a long time because I was in college and I could not afford a Canon 5D Mark II. Yeah, that was the one. The that was the one. fancy lenses that Chase and Corbett were using. 
So I thought, you know, I didn't know anything about video, didn't know there were cheaper options. I'm like, well, I can't get that cool blurred background. I can't get that good audio unless I have $3,000 to drop on this camera equipment. So I'm not going to do it. And then uh, I think it was in, it was my junior year of college. I was going to go to Japan with my friends and a person in one of my classes convinced me to buy a Sony. I think it was like the A7, no, not A7. It was like NEX 500. It was the precursor to the A-line. Uh, and I, I think it was like 700 bucks. So it nearly wiped out my bank account and I had once again save a bunch of money to actually go to Japan. But for 700 bucks, it actually got pretty darn good video quality and it had some of that blurred background. So uh, at one point, Chase took a piece of a fizzle course and I think it was his productivity course and he turned it into a three minute video and put it on the blog. And I remember the blog post saying, hey, guys, we're just going to start, you know, experimenting with taking little pieces of our courses and making them into blog posts just to spice up what's on the blog. And I thought, that sounds like a cool idea. I'm going to try that. So really, my foray into video was not me trying to become a YouTuber. It was me sort of trying to do what Chase was doing at Fizzle and just have video on my blog, not knowing that, you know, YouTube would be more than a hosting service. Um and then I just kind of found that editing video was fun. I was like, hey, I can put video game references in here and like have stuff popping up on screen and put sound effects. And uh, I think it was my seventh video kind of went viral on Reddit. So that was when I was like, oh, all right. So this is the power of YouTube because I've never seen this kind of thing with blogging or podcasting before, like right. 40,000 views in a night. And I guess the rest is history. So let's get into like the subject matter because you know I've watched your videos for a number of years, and not just the the you can you can sense it's kind of like art. You know when you watch an artist kind of go from where they started and then all of a sudden they they reach a level of um, craftsmanship that they start to infuse different things in there and trying different things. Um, mm -hmm. The subject matter that you talk tackle a lot is is productivity related. Um, I'm a big fan of you know trying to make productivity fun. I think that, that it's and time management fun. Cause let's face it, it's not the, it's, it's a pretty dry topic if, if presented at face value. Um, yeah. how, how much of a, a charge do you get out of, you know, doing that with video and also what was kind of the, can you give me some examples of, of when you were, you know, coming up with some of the, the ideas for your videos and, and the content you're putting out there, like, Hey, I'm going to try this and do this a little bit differently because, um, I, I can, I just, just, and I'm going to try it and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you right up front, my uh, my inspiration was Steve Cam at Nerd Fitness ah. because he took fitness and he infused it with all of his nerdy interests, all the Batman and the Legos and comic books and all that kind of stuff. And I, like Steve, am kind of a nerd for all that stuff. So when I was when I was starting YouTube, it really wasn't a productivity channel so much as it was a channel for students. I used to have Dash College Info Geek at the end of every video title. And um, if you go way back to the beginning of when I kind of got serious about YouTube, it was for the most part videos about how to study. And I looked at the landscape on YouTube to see what uh, there was already on the platform. And it was it was kind of like two different categories. One video cameras thrown in the back of a classroom while a professor did like an hour long lecture about how to study better. Not all that fun mm -hmm. or it would be like a one-off video from a vlogger or a lifestyle youtuber or a beauty vlogger doing like oh, here's how i get good grades and that was it you know they would go back to their makeup tutorials and other get ready with me that kind of stuff so uh i was like well i think i can do this differently because i have an entire blog about academic success but my interests are video games and anime and all this kind of stuff um, and when I was, you know, when I would go to watch YouTube in my own time, I wasn't watching productivity content. I was watching people like John Tron and peanut butter gamer, um, people who do like video game reviews and they have like lots of crazy complex editing. So I thought, why not just take what I like about those kinds of videos and apply some of those elements to my topics. So some of my first videos were like, I, I did a video about, um, habit RPG, which is now yep. Habitica. Yep still my favorite habit tracker. But that entire video was like, here's how Pokemon is super well designed to keep you playing. Like here are some of the things they do to get you so enraptured and, you know, putting many, many, many hours into it. Well, here's how habit RPG does the exact same thing to help you build strong habits. So it's like game design principles working in real life. Um, my second video was 
the Tony Hawk pro skater method for figuring out whether or not you should go to college. And the only reason I did that video is because I really wanted to use the grind meter from the game. Like when you grind on a rail, <laughs> there's like this, you got to keep this arrow in the middle of a, yep. a meter. And if you fall on either side, you fall off. And I'm like, all right, you know, if you're on one side, you're just not ready for college. And if you're on the other side, you don't need college because you're an autodidact or you want to be an entrepreneur. And I just, I liked using metaphors that related to my hobbies to talk about academic success. Um, and I think as time has gone on, I've kind of gotten away from using metaphors so blatantly, but I still try to find ways to put jokes and references and things that I love into my videos. Well, and I don't think you need to rely on gimmicks as much once you get to the point where, you know, you're appreciated for the work as well, right? Like, I think that that's yeah. the thing too. Um, but it does make it fun. And that's definitely like, when you're talking about this stuff, that's right at like Steve Cam still does that to this day. You know, like the, the mm -hmm. I mean, the Green Lantern workout, the how to look like Deadpool and Wolverine, like he was really into that stuff. And Steve, I'll link to, I think I've, I've had Steve on the show before. I'll link back to that in the show notes as well. Um, I want to talk about, uh, you don't watch a lot of productivity videos. We talked about that before we jumped on the air. You don't watch <laughs> a lot of that stuff, but you've got to, I mean, obviously to talk about what you talk about, you, I mean, other than taking from personal experience and trial and error, like you must read or absorb some of it. So how, when you research for, for some of these videos that you're putting together, what does that look like? It really depends on the video. Um, and it, I've done a lot of delegation now. So for certain videos, um, Martin, my business partner will do the research for me. So when we did the afternoon slump video, that was his project. And, you know, I, I kind of know basically how to beat the afternoon slump. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be super reliant on caffeine, get enough sleep, uh, don't have a huge lunch. Otherwise, you're going to have a carb crash, that kind of thing. But I'm like, I want I'm working on other things right now. So you can go and do the research for that one uh, for the one on why you forget people's names, which boy, did that video bomb. I thought people would go crazy for that video. Uh, <laughs> that one I got so in deep that I was like about ready to buy a psychology textbook that had like an entire 30 page chapter that basically summarized all the research that has gone into, you know, why names are so easily forgotten or forgotten. Right. So sometimes I'll get super into it and I will do like, not like dissertation level research, but you know, like true academic research where I'm like going through academic studies, taking notes, that kind of thing. Um, for app videos, I will test them out myself a lot of times. Um, recently I've been doing either roundups of apps that I know pretty well, or for example, the notion video, I just, I've used notion for a year and a half every single day. So no research really required for that one. I know it like the back of my hand. So it really just depends. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the process. Okay. Because, um, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this personally also from a selfish standpoint because, you know, I'm doing more video and, uh, understanding how other people work, uh, is, is helpful. I mean, I love those, um, you know, I love the, uh, the podcast, the good place I've recommended it before because of the creative process, I, you know, the idea mm. of, well, there's the, the podcast called the process, which talks about like, there's all those sort of things. But one of the things that I'm curious about is how many videos would you say that you have on the go at once, like in different phases of production? Because I think that that would shed some light for some people who are sitting there going, okay, so he makes a video, a video comes out every week. How does that, how does that work? Um, usually one. <laughs> so you go read it right in on one and say, we're focusing all our energy and attention on one. You don't have different phases of other ones that are in different, in different phases of production. I will try to plan out the month's content and sometimes I am successful, but, uh, I, I really am bad at batching for videos. Um, for me, videos are, they're like partly art. Yep. Um, for me, videos are frustrating. Um, and you know, I, I talked about this a lot on the money lab show with Matt, how like, you know, you've been doing this for so long and eventually you kind of get like that, um, uh, over justification effect where a lot of times like you're doing it for the external rewards. So sometimes I don't even want to make a video, but it's just like, it's gotta be done. Right. So, um, I find that I'm most motivated to do the work if I'm just like, I'm very, attached to the project right now and it's going to go out soon and I have trouble uh, I have trouble working on stuff far in advance there are some exceptions so I have a another productivity breakdown video mm -hmm. of another person coming out uh, the first one I did was with Matt Diavella yep and then the second one it's much more complex than the video I did with Matt so I realized with the projects I have going on we can't get that video out and do it justice right now so we're working on that in stages 
that's that, that actually leads to a nice, interesting question. I want to talk about some of the other stuff that you're that you're finding fascinating that you're really into, but one of the things that I've noticed, and it's not just you that's that's done this, but many YouTubers and video uh, filmmakers over the year, is the the types and how they like the types of films and the types of videos they're making have evolved. What what do you see happening with you right now? I mean, I've watched enough, and I'm sure anyone who's watched your stuff, and if they haven't, oh man, there's going to be lots of links in the show notes to watch stuff. But what where do you feel like your energy and your and your craft is heading for you right now that's going to keep you from having that like oh well I guess I got to put another video out this week yeah so that's that's the rub right uh where my energy is going is towards projects that take longer stuff like the 1 hour morning routine where i literally had a um like a hollywood style script for that video with there was like, you know, scene one, I do this, scene two, I do this. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I think it takes at least yeah, I'm not Casey Neistat. So for me, it takes like a lot of planning to do those cool transitions, stuff like that. The problem is, uh, to keep the business running and to pay my team, I also have to do the regular content. Right. So, right. Yeah, no, no, I <laughs> get like it. Juggling it, that. it. Well, it's the same. I mean, again, from a writing perspective, as somebody who's working on, you know, on a book and, and, you know, we're in the, the final phases of getting it out as, as this episode airs, you know, we're not too far away from time crafting from being released is the idea that, you know, writing a blog post, like putting that content out is what, you know, keeps the lights on and pays the bills. But there's mm-hmm. no instant gratification from, you know, writing a book. You get that from a blog post, right? You get that, like, that kind of stuff happens immediate. But the book, you're like, okay, that stuff, not only do you, not only do you have to wait on the, the, the payoff, for lack of a better term, yeah. and you, but you also have to f- decide what should be part of that payoff, right? So when you're, and I'm imagining when you're making films, it's the same principle. Like, you probably have great film ideas that you're like, you know, I can make a video on this this week, but it would be better served in a longer form fashion. So I'm going to have to hold on to that for a while. And there's got to be some danger there too, right? Dude, I feel like I feel like that for every video. And the problem is, so if you want to know what my workflow is like, it's usually pick a topic, realize I need more time to do it the way I want to do it. So mm-hmm. I would shift to another topic that I think I can do easily. And then I'll realize the same thing about that topic. Right, right. And it's, it's just <laughs> like me doing that until I realize, oh man, the, the deadline is looming. I just... And then I got to make, you know, cuts and, uh, you know, but concessions, that's the word. Yep. Yeah. Well, and like, (laughs) so, I mean, and that's happened with this one video that like, uh, I want to do about one video. I'd like to do one video per month. And, and by the time this is out, there'll have, there'll be at least a couple, uh, you know, of those out where Mm -hmm. it's like, I need to start that shoot four weeks in advance or more to make sure. And, but like, so for example, as we're recording this this week, uh, I'm like, okay, we should do some of that. But oh, but yeah, but there's like four videos that came out this week about this and we could do this really quickly and we can get some, you know, it, it would help us get traction. So let's do that instead. And that's why I like working with somebody else who can kind of say, okay, that's a good idea, but don't forget that yep. we have this other one. You have that person too, right? Uh, so I'm working on that. So okay. with my podcast, I have that person. Martin manages the schedule. I just have to show up when... It's like, all right, we got a video or we have a podcast that's out next week and we have one that's coming out two weeks from from two weeks from now. We have vacation coming up. So we got to record two. I show up. I do the podcast. So we actually had a big team meeting yesterday where I said, all right, Martin, are you up for doing that with the channel now? Like we're going to commit to topic ideas. We're going to be like, all right, this topic needs this much time because I, I find it very tough to be the artist and the business person that yeah. has to manage the artist. That is very, very difficult. Yep. You know, especially when you can look back and be like, oh, well, I put extra time into this this video and it did so well, you know? Yep. So. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> the thing is the videos like you mentioned earlier, the one video th- that you thought would do really, really well, you're like, it didn't do as well as I thought. And I mean, you're going to have those, right? You're going to have blo- mm-hmm. You I mean, anyone who's creating something and you're right. Like, I mean, when I was doing comedy, it was the same principle. You're like, oh, this, this, this sketch is going to, you know, nail you're gonna and it also it's the audience too and timing like i remember we wrote a sketch that was called jet parker action hero and i think there's Mm -hmm. still a youtube video out of of when we were doing sketch and i'm not in that sketch but uh it was about a uh um, a action hero and we're talking this is from over a decade ago where uh he uh receives his phone call and he has to go and save some diplomats that are uh that are held captive somewhere and the entire video is not of him doing that after he gets a phone call. It sounds like there's a sense of urgency. It's of him packing. 
and then the video <laughs> ends. <laughs> and so we've done the video. It doesn't work as well, but live. And again, it depended on the audience. We would do that show live in Canada and yeah. depending on the audience, it was okay. Uh, when we did it in San Francisco in front of an audience that was there for San Francisco Sketchfest, it killed mm -hmm. because the audience was primed for something like that. They were a bit more of a sophisticated audience, I would say, because they were coming to see sketch comedy and they were they, they were yeah. already primed for it. So there's so many things that go into that that as a creator, uh, you 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 can easily kind of go, oh, that didn't work out, and then that's when you need, I think, that person that goes, oh, hold on, that you know what. Let's let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. Don't forget, mm -hmm. we have these other things. You need that that you know that um, that person's got their feet on the ground. That yeah, because the artist sometimes does not. Yeah, I definitely don't have. I mean, I've had uh, so many discussions with my girlfriend where she'll she'll look at a video I put out and she's like, "Why did you title it that?" <laughs> like because <laughs> because it's interesting. She's like, "No, it's not." So the one that I remember recently, we made a video on, um, you know, does does having a second monitor on your computer setup make you more productive? I remember that one. And so I, I said I it, said no, but whatever. <laughs> I titled it like, "Does having a second monitor make you more productive?" And Anna's like, "Don't put the word second monitor, or dual monitors, or whatever in the title because if people don't care about dual monitors, they're not going to watch the video." And I'm like, "But they have to know what it's about, right?" So I make the video, it bombs. I'm like, oh, you're right. So then I go full clickbait and just change it to, should you add this to your workspace? And I'm like holding <laughs> a second monitor in the thumbnail. And I got like an extra 50,000 views. Yep. You know, and most times when a video dies, it dies. Yep. Uh, sometimes you can resurrect it with a title change. So well, I remember the point now where I'll like, I'm, I'm, I'm too cerebral. I'm yep. too into it. So yep. I'll like go to Anna. I'll be like, all right, Anna. The you get one too hour morning routine, is that what it should be called? And she's yeah. like, yes. If you call it anything different, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> yeah, you get too arty. You get too like, you know, I mean, I uh, I watched Matt's video about time blocking, right? Like about the idea of how he started. And he, and he mentions you in the video, right? And we're going to talk about productivity practice and how important it is for like creative artists to have them because I think that they can be really, really effective. But I remember watching that video. And you know me, I talk about daily theming and that, and, which means that I – the, the whole idea behind that, if I'm making a video about that, and I will, um, is, you know, the idea of theming is, is a form of time blocking. It's just not as, it's not as rigid. So I said, well, what if I did a video like how you're using calendar? And then the guy who is the, the who watches, also watches Matt Diavella's videos, he goes, why don't you just put like a title called like why Matt Diavella is wrong about calendars? And I'm like, ooh. But he's not entirely, but he, but, but, and it's like, yes, but he, according to your video, he kind of is. So maybe I'm like, so that's uh, absolutely the title. Yep. It's gotta be. This is a lesson I, I have to learn time and time again. You can absolutely do a clickbait title as long as you kind of like, as long as it pays itself off. Well, and yeah. it doesn't have to pay itself off perfectly. And this is, so here's a big example. I'll often be like, well, this video is only a little bit about this one thing, but it's like, you know, like 10% of the video is the most interesting thing. Mm -hmm. um, let's just say like I'm doing a video on, uh, let's just say like self-discipline and we talk about like cold showers as like one of the five points. Right. Um, I should probably be like, why cold showers will help your self-discipline or something like that. And, you know, my artist brain is like, well, the video is only 10% about that. So I would be disingenuous if I called it that. It's like, no, people, they click because they're interested. And as long as you cover the thing they're interested in, the rest of the video could also, like, it could be tangentially related. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing. Right, right. Well, and the other thing is you got to be careful. And I, I, I think that my comedy uh, background has helped me with this, dealing with hecklers, is the comment section can be disastrous for you to look at. Depending. Yes. So, so uh, you know, I, I mean, that that in and of itself, because there's some validation there and you've got to be careful about using that solely as your validation. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to be, you, you won't be willing to take risks and, and do things like that, mm -hmm. right? I was actually thinking about you when I made my last video mm -hmm. because I was talking about, so I read uh, David Byrne, who is the, one of the founders of Talking Heads. Yep. He wrote this book called How Music Works. And, uh, you know, I took a bunch of great lessons from that and I was like, man, you know, people got to get out of the productivity and self-help bubble because most of the people who work in productivity and self-help, they don't have a very, a very broad array of experience. And that's not a knock against them. Like everyone kind of, you know, focuses on one thing. But if you're the kind of person who's only ever reading productivity books or reading self-help books, you're getting a pretty narrow worldview. And I was like, 
Now, I want to I want to think of people who I know who have a, a broader background than just like, you know, writing or blogging or whatever. And I thought of you because you used to be a comedian. And I'm like, yeah, that's so like you're the one example of somebody who is in a totally different world and one that's actually quite related to um, David Burns mm-hmm. because you have learned a bunch of stuff about stage performance. And I would imagine that there's a lot of lessons you've taken from that that apply to what you do now. Yeah, and and the Dane, but there's also some some there's a bit of ego there too. So one of the things I've learned, especially while making videos, is yes, I'm great at improv, but that doesn't always land well with video mm. because you can you you tend to say, oh, I'm really good at this, and then you're watching. The great thing about video is that you can edit it. You can't do that in a live yeah. performance. So when I've done some speech, some some keynotes and some talks on stage, is unless I've re- like rehearsed it to a point, not like you know Ken Robinson's talk, but like practice, but just enough, right? Yeah. Uh, if you if you go, if I didn't do any of that, and I go, well, I, I'm good at this. Uh, professionals don't wing it. So I mean, having improv as a tool to help is important, but to say that I can rely on my improvisational ability to, you know, make it work. That's, that's, that's amateurish. It, it doesn't work that way. And I've, I've come across that. And when I, it's funny, cause when I've been putting videos together, I'm like, ah, I don't need a script. I, I know this stuff off by heart. And again, it's kind of <laughs> like that adage of putting due dates, you know, on your to-do list instead of having, making measured progress every day. Occasionally you'll hit it out of the park. You're like, see, I can do this. I can do it. But then the time you don't, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that could have been preventable by me just doing applying things regularly throughout. And and that's the yeah. that's the tricky part. Like we notice this actually, by the time this video comes out, if you watch the the Productivityist gift guide video, we shot it and it was something that we wanted to do quickly. And then when you wouldn't know, you might've noticed it, but I definitely, we we didn't notice it during the shoot. And then after the shoot, we looked and uh, my editor's like, so do you see it? And I'm like, what do you see? No, I don't. He goes, look harder. And the backlight behind my chair is visible. Like you can see the back oh. of the light. And he's like, and the video, we finished shooting. Everything was done. And I'm like, hmm. He goes, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, it's an early video in the journey. Let's just let it go. We can, I mean, there'll be another gift guide a year from now. We'll reshoot it at that point in time. I go, but you know, I'm not, you always, and that's the other thing too, is I think as a performer and, you know, someone who's an artist is, you know, what you did wrong more than the audience does. And that helps you be a bit more in that realm of done is better than perfect because you Mm -hmm. know that there is going to be like the only way that people are going to know that you screwed up is if you make it very apparent that you screwed up. And that's how improv can help too. I love that. I don't know who said it, but there's a quote like the audience will never know what you didn't say. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but it's absolutely true. Unless you Mm -hmm. let them know, unless you're like, line or 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 you stand there and it's like yeah it's very um and and again the great thing about video is um and what i've learned too and and podcasting has helped with this for sure is not only prepping because you know i mean i've got plenty of episodes of we're recording this months before we actually are going to air it but also um the idea of pacing because when you're performing live Mm. pacing is a very powerful tool but the the attention span like they're the, you're the only thing they can pay attention to so you have to kind of um, understand that pacing in a live environment is very different than pacing in a recorded environment because you if you go too quickly in a recorded environment it makes editing very very tough yeah and that's something I've had to <laughs> learn I I've, I've had to do it actually I've had to like occasionally space out my own recordings i'm like ugh, this sucks <laughs> and then you land it sometimes like the other day i did an audio recording uh no it was a video it was a video recording and i think mm-hmm. i didn't move so radically that when i did the edit i'm like wow it doesn't even look like there's there's anything there i know it is but and same mm-hmm. audio is way more forgiving too because you know there's you're not trying to match up both sight and sound but yeah it's yeah. it's it so let's let's get into the the productivity component component of this because i think it's really really important for people who are creators and, and entrepreneurs are, you know, are creators as well is to say, Hey, you know what? I, I know that I can be very easily drawn in by the, either the new hotness, the shiny new object, or the thing that's just the flight of fancy that I have right now. But I need to have these, like, I need to have a framework in place. So I have the ability to do that. What does your framework look like so that you don't end up all of a sudden turning around, you know, and by the end of the week and going, what, what did I do again? Like, how did I not get these things done? 
Um, my framework is it's a lot of external deadlines and uh, pressures at this point. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest ones is my sponsors book out months and months in advance. Right. Uh, and for the most part, they are not they are not like super concerned that the video goes out on the date that we have scheduled, but most of them are very concerned that the date that the, that the video goes out the month that it was booked in. Okay. So it's like, all right, I've got four videos this month, four videos must go out this month. Um, and that provides a limitation for me. And I think a big thing that helps me is limitation. Cause if I don't have a limitation, I will get, I will just find anything to go way, 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 way too deep on. You know, I was like, I spent way too long last night learning color grading stuff. And now I'm like, oh, hey, I could have like five instances of this color grading plugin on, on my footage and make it look Hollywood level. But if I do that, I'm never going to get anything done. Right. So having those deadlines does help. Um, and sometimes I'll put more limitations on myself. And that it's actually been quite successful when I've done it. Like with a one hour morning routine, uh, I, I wrote out that I couldn't go over seven minutes for that video and I wanted to shake things up. So I said, when I do the, the actual routine part, I can't do it on camera. I have to record just audio. I can't film myself talking. So that way every second must be B roll. And that was actually great because it was like, it pushed me to do something different, which was nice. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the conversation, but when we come back, Thomas and I are going to talk about what a typical day looks like for him and who inspired him to make films, not just filmmakers for YouTube, but filmmakers in general. But first, I want to talk about running a business and something that can kill you when you're running a business, HR issues. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap, an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. It's month-to-month, there's no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance, so let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Just go to Bambi.com slash timecrafting right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash timecrafting, spelled B-A-M 
to the bee.com slash timecrafting. Go to bambi.com slash timecrafting to schedule your free HR audit now. You know, we're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there are also things that we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy, they can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. So even when you look back on the things you got wrong, you'll never be distressed about life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get life insurance right with Policy Genius. Do yourself a favor. Check out policygenius.com today. Now, Thomas has taken a long time to get to know the ins and outs of filmmaking and YouTube and even music. And there's really never a better time than now to continue your education in the field of your choosing. And that's where the UCI Division of Continuing Education can help. They offer convenient, quality online education. And UCI is not new to online education either. For years, they've been providing students with quality online courses. And you can learn on your own time online. The UCI Division of Continuing Education has courses and certifications in a wide range of categories, from business and leadership to IT, project management, law, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs. They are designed for the working professional. And now more than ever, this is the time to take advantage of that. Spring quarter is now open. You can enroll today. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get 15% off of one course. Now that discount is for almost all of the certificate programs. The exceptions only include coding boot camps, international programs, teacher credentialing programs, and test prep courses. So head over to ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get 15% off of one course. This offer is only valid until July 31st, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. So jump on this now. Visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist Enter that promo code TIMECRAFTING and get your 15% discount today. Okay, now it's time for my Productivityist Podcast Pick of the Week, and I'm just going to go with the obvious choice here, and that is the College Info Geek Podcast, which offers study tips and advice for students. Thomas and Martin are the hosts of this program, and they dive into the strategies and tactics that the best students use to be awesome at college. Now, I've been on this program a while ago. But uh, there's there's a lot of great episodes in here. If you're into productivity, whether you're a college uh, student or not, there's lots of great things that you can learn from this this podcast. I mean, Thomas knows his stuff inside and out. And I think that there are really some interesting episodes that will apply to people outside of college. As I mentioned, uh, book reviews, they talk about books like Digital Minimalism or Ultra Learning, both of which I've discussed on this program with their respective authors. You know, how to stand out from the competition, imposter syndrome, which you know, can really apply to people who are trying to, you know, I'm sure Thomas faced that when he was uh, getting on YouTube and we see this stuff all the time. So again, if you're looking for a good podcast to listen to, again, each episode is about an hour long, a little over an hour. So uh, you might want to space it out if you don't want to listen to an hour to an hour and a half long episode every uh, every chance you get. Then I would I would still uh, just break it up. You know that's what I do when it comes to longer podcasts, and I would consider the College Info Geek podcast one of those. And it's my Productivity's podcast pick of the week. Now it's time to get back to my conversation with Thomas Frank here on the Productivityist podcast. Let's shift that from the film part to the actual morning routine part, because I'm a big believer in evening and morning routines as like those things that you, I mean, even if you don't have the freedom that we do, because we work for mm. ourselves, th those putting those in place gives you that sense of agency over your time that you may not get in any other point in the day. So they're really important. And the fact yeah. that you're able to say like, is that like, I guess the question is that, that you're not going to put something on screen that isn't actually what you do. Uh, because otherwise, you know, it, it, there's some disingenuous, you know, in it, there's a lack yeah. of authenticity there. And then, you, you know, you feel like crap because you've said, Hey, this is how you do it. Oh no, but I don't do that. 
Well, the, the one hour morning routine is not my morning routine. Right. Because right, I, it, I did one on my actual one, which uh, I've one seen. hour one is a bunch of people were like, oh, this takes too long. I have to go to work. And I'm like, all right. So we sat down. And I'm like, what if you know, what if you have one hour in the morning from the time you wake up to the time you got to leave? What can you get done? And uh, Martin and I collaborated on the script for that video. And I was like, hey, here's my ideas. Um, add in some ideas of your own. We came up with like a general script and then I tried to do it. And I literally had a camera in every single area filming me while I did it. So the first draft of that video was literally a real time version of it. Mm -hmm. And then I think it ended up being like 45 minutes, actually. So from there, that kind of gave us like the the clay to mold down into the final video. Um, yeah, I mean, it all it all differs out. But I guess it, the point there is that that is not actually my morning routine. No, and that's and, I tend to like read and right. spend longer on things. Right. But I mean, you're trying to cater to people who are like, hey, listen, I need a morning routine. What can I do? Yeah. And, and I think that that's important. I mean, so do you have um, like what does as we get a bit deeper into the weeds here and then I want to shift to something new that you're really working on that that fits into that? What does a typical day look like for you at this point? Um recently it's been absolute chaos and uh, my morning routine has suffered mm -hmm. <laughs> because I took on this music project while also having all these videos to do like a dingus. Um, but yeah, recently, so I, I, I can tell you the idealized version, the, sure. the version that I do when I'm not going crazy and then I can say what I'm actually doing right now. So usually I'll try to get up around like six 30, go, I go downstairs, water my plants. I'll make coffee, make breakfast, um, recently breakfast has been like hard boiled eggs, toast, spinach, and coffee. Just real simple. Uh, try to read a bit. I will do some exercises and I've been going to the gym later in the day. So I don't usually go to the gym in the morning anymore because I find if I do that and read and do everything like it's, it could be 11 or noon by the time I actually get to work. Yeah. And that just doesn't work very well for me. Um, lately it's been like, there's just been deadlines because of the music project my editor and I have been putting in like 10, 12 hour days just to get videos out. And we finally, like literally as of yesterday, got through all of our crazy deadlines. So I think I'll be able to get back to uh, more of that idealized schedule going forward. What falls off when that happens? Like, is there certain things that just don't? You're like, okay, like the plants get watered, obviously. Like those, those low impact, like those low energy things probably still hold true, but maybe the reading suffers? Yeah, the reading definitely suffers. Um, and I, you know, I, I'll like listen to podcasts, so I definitely get my, I guess like intake of information though over the past few months, a lot of the time that I used to spend on podcasts, I now spend, uh, practicing singing. Okay. So like I used to listen to podcasts in the shower. Now I just blast music and sing to it. Yep. <laughs> That's like yep. my daily practice time. Uh, if I, if, if Anna's not home or if she's downstairs at least. Um, so yeah, I guess I've been on a little bit of a low information diet other than reading that music book when I've had some time. Let's talk about uh, music. Let's, let's, let's get into that because that's something, yeah. uh, and I'm going to share the video cause you have a video of you like doing looping and stuff like that. There, it, oh the, yeah. So that's something that is, it's, would you say it's new to the public eye, but certainly not new to you? Yeah, sort of. Um, I had the the first song a front to all that is good and holy number two that's been on spotify for over a year uh and then i you know spent like a year with nothing and then finally put this one out so the music project that i actually went and did uh we did it as a original for nebula which is the streaming service we're building mm -hmm. and it was basically the idea that like i had spent i've spent my entire life dinking around with music like learning how to play the guitar in a very haphazard fashion, learning how to sing in a very haphazard fashion, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, I want to make a real song like with singing and full instrumentation, everything. But I've never done it before. So the project was writing a song, documenting the entire process of recording it, working with the producer, getting it mixed, getting it mastered, getting it onto Spotify, all that stuff. So I'm kind of like, in a point now as we record this where I'm working on that and I'm in a process of making my, my music stuff a little bit more public. Okay. Now I, the natural thing for me to assume is that your music is going to wait, make your way into your other videos. Would that be accurate? We'll see. <laughs> I, Cause yeah, here's the problem with, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely like, it's my Nebula original and I would love to use sure. Nebula as a, a way 
to do more music content, I have to see like how it works on YouTube. And the thing about YouTube is you often feel like you're in a box yeah. because of the algorithm, right? Like if I just drop a song on my channel tomorrow, it's not going to do well because that's not what my audience is coming no, to expect. I think what I mean is so. like soundtracking it. So soundtracking existing videos. So not necessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I know well enough that if you, if you were going to start another, you would start a whole other channel about it. You wouldn't do, you wouldn't yeah. take it. But um, I mean, you might take, you might say, Hey, you know what I've got, I'm now composing. I'm just going to compose music as well for my videos. And then that's going to be like a bridge of sorts. Yeah. And that might be a thing that I do. Uh, and I've, I've thought really hard about the bridging process here. Mm -hmm. Um, anybody who's read so good, they can't ignore you, but Cal Newport will yep. know like a lot about, uh, you, you can't just like dive feet first into a brand new thing because number one, you, ha you haven't built up the skills for it. But number two, you haven't built up the, what he calls career capital mm -hmm. or, you know, in my case, audience expectation. I can't just be like overnight guys, I'm not a productivity YouTuber anymore. I'm a musician. Follow me over here. It's not how it's going to work. Right. So I started thinking about this a long time ago. Uh, and I just so happened to have been building this ultimate study music playlist on Spotify and on YouTube and had gotten somewhat of a following. So I'm like, Hmm, what if I work a little bit harder to build up the follower count on those playlists? And then my first few songs I'll make will be study music uh, so that's why the majority of the music that I put out as of this recording is instrumental. It's chill because I, I can easily drop it into those playlists. Okay, let's talk a bit about Nebula because um, yeah, I'm I'm sitting here looking at all the stuff you've been doing, and then I see this show up because I remember watching a video and like this is the stream. I'm like, okay, why? Like, what was the impetus behind doing it? I mean, I other I mean, I think that you explain it quite well when I when I've seen you talk about it. People who are listening to this probably don't know, but also hmm. not only why are you doing it, but why are you doing it? <laughs> like, what is it? Like, you've got a lot. Why? Uh, so there's a lot to explain here. Nebula is kind of a way for creators to do things that won't work on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It is also somewhat of an insurance policy because if you're putting all of your eggs in one platform, then if that platform decides to break your eggs, then what are you going to do, right? Like people who did like they people who invested all in, you know, went all in on Facebook for video. They right. got screwed. Yeah. Businesses went like people went out of business because Facebook was inflating their view numbers. Well, look at COPPA like, right now, right? With, uh, I mean, as, as we're recording yeah. this, some of the stuff that's going on with COPPA on YouTube, it's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I, I know creators who had uh, channels that were entirely catered to kids, and there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. Like, you know, I know somebody who was making like educational music videos for kids. Yep. And it's like, boom, COPPA overnight, just some like old, fat like lawmaker is just like i think that you no longer get to have a which, which by the way you know? to be to be clear is that law's been around for a while and frankly i would say youtube is as much to blame for this as anything else because i mm -hmm. mean in most broadcast network situations they take on the responsibility and the liability not the not the actual show creators it's that's what networks are there for largely right yeah. that's why they have standards and practices and things like that youtube does not do that uh, and so i mean for there's if you want to look at what's going on with COPPA, believe me, go to YouTube, type in COPPA, and you will find lots of stuff going on. But it is, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, so the, the insurance policy is, is, is smart because you're right. What happened with, mm -hmm. the, I mean, you're seeing it happening on, happening on so many of these platforms that you're like, okay, if you put all your eggs in this basket, yeah, you, you may not have eggs left when you're done. Yeah. So the, the original idea, and you know, like a lot of ideas, it started out small. Um, it was something that, started within standard and standard is the the agency I work with for getting my sponsors, but they're pretty different from most agencies because it's a very tight knit collective of creators. We all have a slack together. Um, we go on vacations together. We collaborate all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of communication between the people who run standard and then the people who are in standard as clients, uh, the creators. And it was like, well, what if we gave people a way to watch our content that was free of programmatic ads. So kind of like an alternative for having to pay for YouTube premium. Uh, but also it was like, well, if we have our own platform, then people who do content on history, they could make a documentary on like a war without worrying about it getting demonetized and then also like, you know, quashed in the algorithm. 
so it's like a place where we can do things that YouTube would not let get very far right. uh, that they might block outright or that are just not within our wheelhouse. So this music documentary, I'm going to publish it to YouTube because I think it has a little bit of a productivity spin. Like I want to kind of show like, here's how I was able to do this. And I want to show the whole process of how it was done. But it's also like Nebula was able to fund it, which mm. was cool. Right. Right. And that's, that's the new thing. So, so the, it, it Nebula fits. now being bundled with, yeah, Nebula now being bundled with curiosity stream there's like additional funding potential there. So it kind of opens up all these possibilities for different types of content that creators wouldn't have been able to do uh, before. Right. Right. Well, and it fits. It does. So this is where, and interestingly enough, you talked about like the business as an artist being the business person is not necessarily something that you uh, find as much of a strong suit. This is, this is you being meshing the two to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I, I'm okay at being a business person when it doesn't have to like uh, get in, in in the way of my artist right. persona. If anything, <laughs> it, it, well, if anything, it it actually allows you to make art the way that you want to make it, right? I yeah, think that's I think that's the big thing there. Let, let's talk really quickly before we wrap up about who inspires you. We talked. To, let, let's like in terms of film, and we're not going to talk about. We don't have to talk about YouTubers. We can talk about film in general. When you look at how uh, you know what you create and, and who inspires you to create, like who, who influences, who influences you on in that regard? In terms of like filmmakers? Yeah. Yeah. Like filmmaker. Well, you know, I mean, it was funny. I was asked the other day, like who is your influences? And I mentioned, you know, people like, uh, you know, Merlin Mann was a big influence on me and and Mm. things like that. And, but then I also mentioned like, Green Lantern, like Hal Jordan, like the mythos of Green Lantern has had like the willpower component has an influence on me too. So something out of left field that you wouldn't expect to hear from a, I mean, I guess we talked about that a little bit earlier, like someone who kind of looks outside of productivity for these things. So similarly, like, yes, YouTubers, but filmmakers, but you know, storytellers even that inspire you in when you're mm. making films. Yeah. I mean, a big one is Edgar Wright, mm. the guy who yep. made uh, Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim world's end. He's my absolute favorite filmmaker. Yeah, baby, uh, not only baby driver, he, the opening sequence baby, of baby oh, driver. So good. It's so <laughs> whole film's yeah, good, it, but baby drive that opening sequence. I'm like, look at where everything is hidden. It's so great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, he's not only a great storyteller, but he's a great filmmaker. I mean, just like that, that scene from, from hot fuzz where, um, you know, the main characters is moving from the big city to the new town. Mm-hmm. Most films would do such a typical thing where they do like aerial shots and they do like establishing shots and your typical thing. And Edgar Wright's like, nah, it's just like a bunch of scenes of him on the train with like this stupid plant and there's so much creativity to it. I love it so well, much. Yeah, you know, and I really him. wish he would have done Ant-Man. I really wish like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I, at some point a Marvel property would be great. I think, I don't think the door's closed on that, but man, you know, after seeing all of his other work, yeah. So who, who else, who else? I would like him to do it, but I, I think I'm still going to ha- love his original work. Sure. Uh, a lot more. Sure. Same with like Rian Johnson. Like yes. I, I wasn't a big fan of the second uh, new Star Wars movie, but I saw Knives Out and freaking loved it. Yeah. So and, I, I mean, know, like some Brick, people are better with their original work. I well, think. and Brick, I mean, a Looper, all the stuff Ryan Johnson's. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's uh, yeah, but you're right. Like, I mean, uh, once you have your own your own original stuff, you can make great things. Duncan Jones is another filmmaker that I've really loved. Like you know, um, Moon and Source Code and things like that. Bowie's oh, kid. yeah. Source Code was so good. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, Memento is another one when I look at that and go, oh. Like just so, then that's Nolan, right? So I mean, there's just so many good filmmakers. Who who else would you say, like in terms of, uh, maybe maybe an, maybe someone that that uh, is a bit more, I wouldn't say conventional, but maybe some of the YouTubers that you look at. Uh, so the big YouTuber recently has been Potato Jet, mm-hmm. and he does a lot of like uh, you know camera e filmmakery content, but he just does it in such an entertaining way, because you know a lot of a lot, and for whatever reason, like I like Peter McKinnon's videos, but they don't draw me in the way potato jets do do right. and I, I can't really put my finger on what the difference is i think potato jet is just funnier mm. that might be he's like he's more willing to make a fool out of himself right i don't know what it is well and i think he's something cr- about it i'll just sit there and watch it well isn't he like an actual cinematographer though too like he's worked he, to- yeah he well he's at least or out, D- of, i don't know yeah, he's a dp that's dp dp yeah. yeah he's like he's yep. worked as a dp so i mean and, and we often see filmmakers that are become directors were dps first i was watching yes. have you watched uh, the movies that make us on netflix yet the no. new series oh 
So they have four movies and uh, uh, the the four series. It's the same people that did the toys that made us, right? Which is the other series they have on Netflix. Mm. And it's um, the four movies that they profile are Die Hard, uh, uh, Home Alone, uh, Dirty Dancing, and Ghostbusters. And so they go through the process of like the from soup to nuts, how the films were made. They have interviews with some of the filmmakers and stuff like that. So they talk about like how Chris Columbus was like the guy from home alone and, and how he got that job. And, and same thing with, uh, uh, die hard. It was, uh, Jan de bump was the DP, right? But now he's obviously hmm. a director and John McTiernan was the director. So there's some interesting stuff that happens there, um, in terms yeah. of, of the filmmaking story. So yeah, I think, but yeah, potato jet, I like his stuff. Levi Allen mentioned him, uh, as we were talking before the show about six YouTubers that he's jealous of potato jet was one of them. Mm-hmm. So what, the, what about music I'm really influenced by yeah, musicians? Uh, the top one is absolutely Tosh Sultana and they are, they're the live looping artists that got me into live looping. So my, the guy who works for me on the website, he's like my head writer now. He came over one day and he's like, check this person out. And they're doing this amazing live looping performance for Triple J. And I'm like, what is this? They're playing every episode or every instrument on their own. And I had never, never heard of that before. Uh, and that was the rabbit hole that I've been going down for the last like six months now. So <laughs> that, uh, that whole song that I have on my channel, the Icicle Swords, that was like kind of me trying to do all that. Uh, myself without vocals yet um but that they're probably my biggest influence uh the guys from periphery periphery is one of my favorite metal bands um deer hunter you know a lot of those guys and then a big part of my life has just been singing for the last like year and a half so i have a lot of vocalists that i listen to um johnny craig being a big influence He's not a very good person, but he's a darn good singer. So he's been a very big influence on, you know, what I've been practicing, stuff like that. Um, you, you, and then a lot of people I know personally too, like my, my coach right. is a big influence on me. Um, as you're mentioning um, the looping stuff, I, I couldn't help but have girl talk come to my head. And I know he doesn't do looping, but the DJ, like the fact. Oh, he's like mashup. Yeah. But yeah, like awesome. so many, like, I'm like, how in the. Wow. Like that's just, and you, you mentioned Cal Newport and we'll, we'll get ready to close off here, but Cal Newport's other book, deep work. Like there is just something about mm. going. And I know we hear about like David Epstein's book range where he talks about breadth too. And I think that there is some, you're, you're doing that, right? Like you've got, you, you, I think what, what I've, what I enjoy about you and your work. Um, and there's very few people that do this, um, that, that I know personally that go wide and then they pick a depth, you know, in certain areas, right? And then they'll they'll come up for like you mean you've gone deep in video, and now you're really going deep into the musical component. And the thing is, you've been deep in video for so long that you can kind of get away with is not the right term. I'll use it, but like get away with going deeper in the music and not have the filmmaking suffer. And yeah. but you're not. But the difference is, and you 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 um you you articulated this so well is you're not going to do what some people have done and pivot completely because that's where the money is or that's where the wind seems to be blowing. Like you're, you're, you're literally sticking to what you, I mean, you're, you're, you're an artist, right? And, and artists generally yeah. don't do that. Artists don't go, okay, I'm, I was known as this person. Oh, this isn't working anymore, but I can now be, and I, I mean, I give you a great, uh, like a, like a kind of a, a road example of like, okay, I built a business doing this. This isn't working anymore. So now I'm going to teach people how to build a business doing this. That's my new <laughs> thing. Right. And, and that's not what you're doing. I mean, cause you could very easily do that. You can say, Hey, I'm going to do video series on how, to, like, I'm going to be a teacher of how you can make videos and I'm going to, but you're not going down that road. I might still do that though. You might, but you're but not going to stop not for the money. It's but, like, right. But you're not going to stop doing the actual thing in the process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like being a practitioner. Uh, I mean, there's, there's absolutely a part of me that's like, man, I wish I could just take six months off and like just go fully in on music. But I think I am aware of the fact that if I were to just give myself six months to dink around, I would just, I would probably waste a lot of it. You would just dink around like, like you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh dude, I learned how to EQ snares so well. And it took me six months to do it. Like <laughs> I think that the, I honestly believe that 
having little bits of time that are precious to you to go deep on something, it's really, really valuable. Tom, this has been great. Um, uh, we, for those who are listening, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for sticking around. This is, this is not a two parter. I don't like to make I mean, there's so much great greatness in this conversation. <laughs> hey, uh, where can people keep up with you and your work, uh, both uh, in, on the video front and on the musical front? Uh, the video front, probably just youtube.com slash Thomas Frank. Um, and there's still, still college and and music front Thomas dot LOL. Even the way you said that <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. This is the way the wind's blowing everybody. Okay. Uh, hey, <laughs> Thomas, thanks for joining me today on the productivity podcast. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been fun.